Hello and welcome back to the Arc of E podcast. My name is Noah. My name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. Back with our first pod of 2024. Very weird well, to say, but it's weird. true. Uh, yeah, and we're going to start out the year the only way we know how, uh, by looking back at, uh, at the previous year. Yeah. So we haven't talked about our favorite films of 2023. We, uh, we did albums. That was a fun one. Mm-hmm. We couldn't play any tunes. We did uh, TV. And a note on that, I mean, we talked a lot of TV this year, but I feel like our film conversations kind of dipped off like pre-October. Right. And, uh, you know, obviously we've been catching up on various things. A lot of the big awards contenders, etc. Right. A lot of last minute watches, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's how we're going to kick this off. And then just as far as scheduling goes, to let everybody know, uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to be resurrecting uh, a whole show called Manhunters. Indeed. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about what's going to be on that episode later in this episode. I don't know. I don't know. We shall see. But uh, And then after that... You can look forward to, I think, eight weeks, eight straight weeks, baby, of Tuesdays with Noah and Gav as we yes. dive deep into uh, True Detective Night Country, season four. So, uh, I thought the tagline was that we were mainlining the secret truth of the universe. Yeah. That's, that's what we do on this show. That's what we do. Yeah. So uh, everybody can get excited, go back and, you know, re-listen to our previous episodes and... Uh, but yeah, that's the plan for kind of the first chunk of the year here on the Arc of You podcast. But before we can do any of that new stuff, we gotta we gotta let everybody know like what what was the best stuff of last year. Before we get into our list, any general overall thoughts about the year in film? I think in general, this year proved that. If you, even if it's the most unlikely thing that you you would think could go together, if if you if you put good stuff out, people are going to go see it regardless. Um, the big one in July or the big summer one that will may or may not wind up on our lists, um, Barbenheimer, all that like yeah, that we, combined. We, we've talked about it before. We you know? asked during that that episode during the yeah. summer. Our movies back, and I guess I ask you again, Gavin Blanchard, my brother. Our movies back in the year I mean, of our Lord, twenty twenty three. Kinda, but again, no, because we spent the last half of the year not doing anything. You know, like you want to say they are. There but- was the weird gap, but I'm I'm trying to get excited because I I thought this was a phenomenal year for movies. Oh yeah, it was. I, I just have like very strong feelings about a lot of mine like pretty far down the extended list which is always good and i would say overall i saw about like 35 movies that i would say are like good to great that i would like all highly recommend and that's that's a pretty good pretty good number in a given year right and i still have a lot of stuff i want to catch up on but yeah i thought it was a great year but it did feel weird because we had that huge gap there was, you know, multiple strikes going on. 
I think right. 2024 is going to be really strange and and weird and maybe yeah maybe it's going to feel like an off year but for the time being I don't know I was very excited a lot of kind of the big narratives for me uh a lot of my f absolute favorite directors like people who just like have me on day one I'm buying a ticket kind of regardless of the project a mm -hmm. lot of those people uh had movies this year uh mm -hmm. and then what was also nice to see as we'll as we'll go through my list a lot of those hit uh but there was also some people I had never heard of before this year who I'm I'm very excited to to see their next film so right. uh yeah very director driven and uh a lot of like hotly anticipated stuff for me personally I don't know if people in the world felt that way like there was a lot of stuff they've been waiting for uh but I definitely had multiple multiple films this year that it was like oh you know so much expectations going in and uh many many of which you know met or surpassed them so uh yeah yeah Any no I agree I, I definitely there was there was more more excitement around getting to things this year um just with you know what we had coming out this summer um but and then you know towards the back half of the year some of these have come out um it but again it's just weird to like to know like it's i don't know to watch these as they're coming out and like getting amped up for it knowing that like the little person that like just does the nine to five job on the set is like you know they're not working because uh, big studios don't want to like deal with that and they mm -hmm. just they barely, you know i feel i don't feel ashamed enjoying it but it's like it's one of those things i tell people all the time if you don't know anything about like that industry that business don't ever don't ever try and find out just enjoy what you get from it <laughs> right. and like and just be like have that naivete about Hollywood, you know, and just like, it's crazy what they're doing out there. You know, like, did, did, did you see all these movies and stuff? Like just having that willful childlike, like impression of what filmmaking is. I wish I had that still because as I'll explain when I, when I mentioned some of them on my list, I got that again with some of these this year and that's okay. what I shoot for. But there's some of these I'm looking at, I'm like, Oh, I know how they did that. Or like, ooh, I wonder how many takes that took. Or right. hmm, how did they manage, you know, because it's just you and we we know people, we know people who've been in movies, we know people who work on movies, we know people all over the place that do all different kinds of things. And so we're in the weird space of like we completely get the idea of like a a director having a, a vision and like he's he or she's doing that. But we also know that when that happens, there's at least 200 people that you don't see and you don't even sit around and read their names because you get up and leave before everybody else leave when everybody else does. So they don't ever get their due. And, you know, it's, it's all encompassing. And again, as I, I can sit and look at every one of these on my list, go back and watch them again and again. And for the most part, I had fun with every one of them, regardless of whether I went and saw them in a the theater. I caught them, you know, streaming whenever they were first available or, oh, wait, I missed that. Let me go back and do it. Or in the case of one of these, I was just like, you know, okay, screw it. I'll just go ahead and buy this thing and watch it and see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And we'll definitely highlight as we go along how we saw them, uh, where mm -hmm. you can see them now. And right. uh, yeah, also 
you know, there's some I think we can squeak by without, but I, again, let's make an effort to actually like give you a, a, a rough, a rough plot outline, who's in it, et cetera. Pitch it yeah. essentially. Right. Uh, do you want to go first? Would you like me to go first? What, yeah, how, go ahead how, and start it out. That's fine. I'm going to do this. Okay. My number 10 favorite film of 2023 is Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Did you have a chance to catch this one, brother? No, I just saw that it showed up on Hulu, and I thought to myself, I should probably watch that one because it's probably on his list. Okay, I guess it's on but Hulu. I, just, and... I, hadn't, I hadn't gotten to it yet. You saw it on Hulu? It's available to watch on Hulu. No, okay. is it? No, it's, it's, on, on, it's on Paramount. On no, it's Peacock, on Peacock. Sorry. Yes, Peacock, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I believe exclusively streaming on Peacock. Right, my So bad. Uh, as of like this weekend. So that's where people can go check it out. Uh, came out in early November, I believe. I obviously had heard, hey, Alexander Payne, Paul Giamatti, they're back together. This one's uh, been making a little bit of noise on the festival circuit. So the basic outline, uh, period piece, and it is set in a, uh, I believe they're in New England. I forget the exact setting, but uh, it's a prep school. And Paul Giamatti is kind of the curmudgeonly uh, professor there. And he is tasked with staying with all of the holdover students over Christmas break. So all the kids that don't have anywhere else to go. And uh, he's there with the uh, school chef and a few other people. And uh, basically it's just, it's it's an old school character study. Uh, very, very naturalistic, very organic. Lot, lots of laughs, lots of heart. Uh, maybe the most like uh, joyful cry I had in a movie theater this year. Uh, mm -hmm. really hit me in the feels. Uh, I think will kind of might, might be a new holiday classic for me where it scratches that itch of like, it's got that certain amount of melancholy that, that I like from, you know, holiday movies. Uh, but it also has a certain amount of hopefulness, fantastic performance from Paul Giamatti, uh, divine joy Randolph, also incredible. And, uh, newcomer Dominic, uh, Sessa, I believe is the name, uh, just crushing it. This is not one that's written by Alexander Payne, surprisingly, but uh, my, I mean, I love Nebraska, but this might be my favorite of his since the kind of initial, the the amazing run of Citizen Ruth, uh, Election, About Schmidt, and Sideways. Like those four in a row, uh, pretty, pretty incredible mm -hmm. run. So another case of a filmmaker I'm a pretty big fan of, uh, who ha had a project i actually i skipped downsizing which i know people have various feelings on that was the matt damon oh i saw the yeah. one I, I know, I know a couple years ago yeah uh, i missed that one i know a lot of people actually stick up for it but uh yeah so that it was just it it is totally going for that 70s vibe of just like you know unlikely friendship and like found family sort of thing but it's just it's done so well it was a nice Nice throwback, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, the Holdovers, my number 10. Okay. Um, okay, so my number 10 uh, is a movie called A Thousand and One, directed by a young lady named A.V. Rockwell. It is her directorial debut. And it looks like this came out earlier this year, almost a year ago now, January at Sundance, and then premiered uh, in March of this year. I caught it on streaming. I believe it is on – I saw it on Peacock. I don't know if it's still on Peacock. It may be on Amazon right now. I'll double check for you. 
Um, and the basic premise is it is about a young hairdresser who decides to kidnap her own son out of the uh, um, child care system in New York City and just kind of follows her raising him in New York City throughout different time periods. So we have like the early 90s. We obviously have 9-11 era and then we have shortly after that. And you just watch, you know, her and the and the son and then the the father or maybe not the father or the boyfriend or whoever as you're at these different points and you know throughout her life slash the boy's life as he grows up so yeah it is available uh, on amazon prime now okay. i okay. i missed this one it was on my my long list to catch up with uh mm -hmm. glad to yeah, I had to see it making uh, an impression here. Was this a is this an A twenty four or Neon who had this? Uh, one of the two. I feel like we're going to be asking that all like all the whole this, time. Uh, so. This poster is uh, slightly out of focus here on IMDb. I can't see the production credits at the bottom. Uh, hmm. Not sure on that one. I assumed it was okay. one of the two, but uh, I could be completely off. Okay, a, a thousand and one. Uh, mm -hmm. I do like Tiana Taylor quite a bit. Uh, mm -hmm. she's going to be in the book of Clarence, Clarence yep. uh, probably the first like big release I'm excited for, uh, coming this year, 2024. Still weird to say that that's this year, but it is. It's only been a day. Uh, we'll get over it. Only been a day. Only <laughs> been a day. Uh, so yeah, another, I, you know, I assume this one, uh, probably, probably got some, some gut punches in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, I um. Just, yeah, There's I know just, it's been it's been available streaming for a bit, and I honestly, I just, yeah. I don't know, I just, I haven't been I haven't been in the mood. Honestly. It's yeah, it, it's but it's one of those where it's like you. I only noticed like it it was more of a gut punch again because of the whole film brain or whatever. Because like when the gut punch happens, her delivery of it, you're just like, oh well, that's well, that's why right there. That's that's why you. That's why you watch movies. That's why you go to acting class. You yeah. know, that's how, that's why you that's why you study with a teacher to turn that. How well, where'd she go to turn that on that day? How many times they do that one? You know, because it was just so much like a oh shit oh okay oh okay I see what's going on here. You know, and so again, that's where we get into the whole thing of like don't learn about the movie industry if you don't know. Just don't worry about it. Just pay your money and stay at home. But having that insight knowing what it's like it's like yeah of course like it's just one of those where like when it happens the moment it happens for me at least later on in the film i just it's it it's it's it wrecks but it's also like i can appreciate it because if i'm i'd be lying to myself if i tried to say that you know this wasn't expected and i had the person i've been watching on screen the last hour or so hadn't been doing everything to lead to this moment you know what i mean yeah and so, and I, as much as I'm, you're, to me, you're like playing with whether you want to believe or not believe these certain things. I don't know. She was really good in it. I, I'm really, I really do want to, I can't wait for uh, Clarence, but like, I, I hope that she, I hope she gets into more and more stuff. And I'm interested to see where this, this young filmmaker goes to, because this is her director debut and I thought it was great. So I'll be interested to see what she winds up doing after this. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. A thousand one. Uh, my number nine is probably the most engrossing 
like moment to moment, just completely glued to the screen sort of experience I had this year. Uh, it's Justine Triet's Anatomy of a Fall. And it is a, uh, a pretty, pretty masterful and very tricky uh, multi-language uh, mystery thriller, basically. Mm. Uh, mostly, it takes place in France, but you've got a mix of French, German, and English dialects uh, throughout the film. And it concerns a, uh, a wife who is accused of the murder of her husband after he falls from their uh, kind of remote cabin. Uh, he falls from like the third story. And mm. the key witness is their blind son, who's <laughs> about uh, 11 or so. Uh, okay. And so it's uh, the bulk of the film is basically a, a courtroom thriller, but in the French court system, which is oh. obviously not something I had much awareness of at all. A joke, you mean? Um, no, just like a it's <laughs> so it's you. so fundamentally like different from our system, where when it and when it first starts, you just out of the gate are like, okay, wait wait a second. That nobody said object for like five minutes there. There was like there was so there was like conjecture and like leading and all sorts of stuff going on there. And you just kind of quickly realize it's like, oh, oh, that's not how that's not how shit works here at all. That like, whoa, okay. Um but it's Is all, it, are are they flipped like other kind like uh, like from us? They're like you have to prove innocence, not prove guilt. It's a lot harder to prove innocence than it is to prove guilt. It's, uh, I, I don't know how I would even do, there's so many little nuances to it that I just wasn't even, so yeah, I, that, that in and of itself was like kind of a revelatory, like, whoa, okay, this is a whole other element, but the whole movie is anchored by a just absolute tour de force from Sandra Huller, who I was not familiar with. I've always wanted to see Tony Erdman, uh, really well-regarded movie from, uh, I think like five, six years ago now, uh, mm -hmm. And I just never, it's never been streaming anywhere that was convenient. And it's also like three hours long. So just haven't had a chance to get to it. Oof. But so I've heard her name before, but never actually seen her in action. And she is just, it, it's incredible because you spend the, the movie plays a lot with perspective. And so you're kind of thrust into the situation as it happens. And then when you're in the court, for instance, like the only time you ever get a flashback to like, oh, well, what was their marriage like in this relationship? Like, how can I pick a side if I don't know really who this right. dude was and I haven't seen him at all? And it's like the only time you ever do, in fact, see the husband, this is not really like a spoiler for the movie, but is when they have like actual things that we know were like factually true, I guess, if that makes sense. I, I don't want to spoil hmm. like the context of that. But the only time we see anything re even remotely approaching a traditional flashback is the way it would be presented to a jury, essentially, um, to a court. So it kind of give, it gives us this remove so that you're constantly playing investigator and constantly trying to be, you know, the judge, essentially, and figure out, well, did she do it or did she not? And mm. It is a movie that plays not again, not to spoil where it goes, but it it does kind of invite 
it, it's uh it's a little bit of, you know we talked about uh tar last year being a bit of like a rorschach test um this movie even more so in that i don't think it like tips its hand much in like how it goes and i know that can be very frustrating for some audiences uh i saw it with uh brendan and his girlfriend and they were not uh very big fans of it because of that that ambiguity but uh well that's if, any european film exactly if you're if you're open to that sort of thing uh i i think just an incredible and again uh there's another another courtroom or there's several courtroom movies this year that were oh, yeah. kind of getting back to scratching that uh that itch of like the the mid to late 90s stuff we grew up on and uh yeah this is this is maybe the most like high level execution of it i've seen in quite some time uh because of the way they do submissions for international feature uh france didn't pick this for whatever reason and so uh but it could still sneak through and get a best picture now because there's a lot of momentum behind it uh hmm. Yeah, and it did very well at the specialty box office. It is rentable right now on all your usual streaming services, but it is not uh, just available free anywhere. But uh, we got about two months before like big award season starts to kick in proper. I think like well, actually maybe tail end of January, early February. Golden, Golden Globes Gold. are like next week, right? Oh, never mind. They did move them up this year. So uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, a good time to catch up. I believe it is nominated at the Globes, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, definitely worth your time. Uh, and again, if you're scared off by subtitles, do know that, that, you know, this is, I would say it's like a third of the movie, the way it's mixed in. So you do have to do some reading and it gets a little tricky in the courtroom sequences because it's very fast and furious. Uh, but yeah, incredible performance from Sandra Huller. And I don't have the guy's name in front of me at the moment, but the gentleman who plays the prosecutor, um, uh, absolutely incredible. Like I was, it was one of those where it was just like, where did this guy come from? <laughs> like, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, huge recommend. Uh, yeah, Anatomy of a Fall, my number nine. Okay. My number nine is a little movie that I saw on Netflix. I believe it's still available on Netflix called They Cloned Tyrone. Hell yeah. Um, did we talk about it before? It I feel did like we come talked up, about it like a we, little bit on... Uh, or Halloween, uh, October, maybe? Possibly, but remind Somewhere remind people the premise and who's involved. Oh, uh, well, it's Mr. John Boyega. Uh, and Jamie Foxx, and it's T. Tiona Paris is, um, she is in this one, which is, if Bill Tree could talk, you say, I feel, yes, we've talked about this before because I remember you, us discussing people who were in it. But essentially, um, it, it, it in this town that this guy lives in, he he slowly discovers this nefarious plot that maybe some unknown entity is uh is cloning people, putting them out on the streets, and he just starts to notice that the world around him isn't exactly what he thinks it is. And it's just I don't know. It's I I have no idea if this is a, like a complete original screenplay or if it's some kind of graphic novel somebody stole from. But regardless, I just. I love the premise of it. I watched the trailer and I thought, okay, I think I know what this movie is. I watched it and I was like, that is not what I thought that movie was. It was 10 times better. And it's just available now for anybody to go watch on Netflix. And I think uh, everybody should. 
uh, from what I'm seeing here, uh, original screenplay. That's I what think I thought. Just, That's what I, I think thought. just kind of inspired by the black exploitation films of the right, 70s, yes. but kind of like, you know. It doesn't lean into the black dynamite like it's more of an earnest take on it. Yeah, it's like a well, no, it's a what if I'm going to make an exploitation movie, I'm going to do it now, that, and I'm going to do it like that's what I'm with, saying. An earnest yeah, take on it right. in terms of like I'm not like you know, there's no crazy lenses. I'm there's not no parodying the genre. Right. I'm just exactly. like I'm doing what the genre would be now, which I right. which yeah. Again, this one's still a huge blind spot for me this year. I just I didn't I haven't quite had time for it, but uh, I've heard heard great things and uh, glad to see it here on your list uh that was your number nine nine my number eight uh definitely got some play earlier in the year it's uh it's uh another one from a, a favorite director of mine only his third outing but the incredible matt johnson and the movie is blackberry did you ever get a chance to catch this one did they re-release this as like a series on Amazon? So right now, I believe on Amazon or on AMC Plus. Okay, if you have AMC Plus, which again right. we're huge advocates for, uh, no ads here, but you should have it. You should go get it. It's good, yeah, totally good streaming service. What they did was they basically released the director's cut, okay, and changed it into a three-part uh, limited series, if you will. So each episode was about forty-five to fifty minutes. And yeah, it was restructured essentially as yeah, as a TV show. Okay, because I but also... it, it but that's just the director's cut. It's just out there. It's something they made available on streaming. But you can also just go and watch Blackberry the movie also on AMC Plus. Like okay, well, because I didn't know which was which, and I I listened to um... it's kind of something they did, I believe, around mid year because Blackberry came out very early this year. Uh, for, I feel like for large they... swaths of the year, this was my number one. Uh, I yeah. I love this movie, but uh, for people unfamiliar, it's basically it's a rise and fall story uh, of of BlackBerry of of the little the little phone, you know, the widescreen yeah. phone with all the little the, the, the thing before the iPhone. on it. Yes, uh, before the iPhone came around and killed it, and it is essentially the the easy pitch on it, which I think I probably used in an episode at some point. It's like Canadian Succession meets uh, the Social Network, but that's kind of doing it a disservice. Uh, absolutely like career best performances from jay baruchel but the the true revelation is glenn howerton uh who See, that's yeah uh i uh, we've threatened to do it so many years and i think i don't know as strong as i feel about this year and the, the wide variety of great shit that was out there and as a way to even talk about more of these movies beyond just this episode i think we got to do the arkies man I yeah, think we got, I think we got to finally do them, and I could definitely tell you yeah. on, on the short list of our five nominees, Glenn Howerton is definitely up there for supporting actor in Blackberry. Also, Matt Johnson, the director uh, who uh, wrote this thing and also stars in it, uh, just incredible. I love this guy. He uh, made The Dirties and Operation Avalanche, two fantastic movies. Um, just one of the most exciting Canadian indie filmmakers working right now. Uh, this was like a huge step up for him in all sorts of ways. I love all of his movies, but this was just, it was like getting to see a guy you've seen, you know, you've seen the evolution of already and you've already been super impressed by just like kick it up another notch. And it it's just great stuff, dude. It's like genuinely riveting, 
very funny movie. That's a recurring theme on my list. A lot of these are movies that really made me laugh. And as much as we maybe bemoan the loss of like the big studio comedy, the Apatow sort of movies, uh, if you know, I, that's the most recent example, I guess. But as much as we kind of complain about like those kind of disappeared, like where are those sort of movies? Comedy is alive and well, but it's in these plate. It's like it's almost like my my brand of comedy is out there a lot, but it's not in these traditional places. But Mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Blackberry just has some of the best like guys in rooms, uh, talking shit to each other stuff you'll ever see. Uh, it's a lot about e ego and just like Right. A lot of dad male, stuff I heard. like. A lot of just like masculine dynamics in general. Yeah. Uh, it's it's great. It doesn't overplay any of that stuff. And it, yeah, it manages, again, while I reference like, oh, Succession or Social Network, it doesn't feel like it's just like a a baby version of that. Or like it's like, it, it's very much its own thing. He finds it's a, a very unique energy for it. Uh, huge recommend. And again, it's available on AMC+. Plus. Uh, I I have not personally done the director's cut. I want to at some point, but I I assume I recommend that as highly as I do the the regular movie. But either one, whichever Well, way you he, want to go with it. But Glenn, obviously Glenn Howerton sold it to me by what I listened to him talking to Pete Holmes for two hours and talking about the character and like what he did. And he mentioned like going to the director and being like, I, we got to do something like this, that guy, this guy is utterly reprehensible. And he's like, dude, your character's testing through the roof. Everyone loves him. Oh, okay. I get like he, it took him realizing that like people who were watching it were like loving that character for him to realize what he was doing because he just wasn't making sense to him the entire time he was doing it. He He was is, just like, I don't really, it's, but like, it's brilliant. I, I just, I love listening to him talk about he's dialed people that in in such like a way he, he knows where it's what he's like, doing. I've, I've always, he's long been my, my kind of secret fave of that entire cast on Sony. Uh, Yeah. and they, they all are great and function great together, but he's always been the one guy who I was like, I, I, I really want to really want to see him stretch, stretch a little bit and do something different. And he just he just like devoured this it's like he'd been waiting to waiting to do something like this and kind of show show his stuff um really kind of a dark horse candidate as far as oscars go but like he had a lot of a lot of momentum earlier in the year where people were like hey pay attention to this and i i don't know if the directors like, there there seems to have been some confusion like from you where it's like wait is it was this a tv series or what and like what what is it now um I don't know that they've communicated that in the best way, but it's like, but yeah, it, it, it's not like it's going to be nominated for Emmys and stuff. It'll be in consideration for your insight. He, the, he did get an indie spirit nom. He's in the performance category, which is cool, but, uh, cause they just lump every, like everybody Right. together. It's just best. I think it's just best lead performance and best supporting. And there can be up to Same like with 20 SAG. in each category. Yeah. Uh, so Yeah, if you if you missed it earlier in the year, uh, Yeah, when I'll definitely I shouted check that about out later. it, uh, Blackberry just just a great time, uh, really good movie. Okay, your All right. number eight, sir. My number eight, we've talked about at length, but it is on here again. It is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Number Yes, eight. part 
What? One yeah. part one. Part one. Part uh. <laughs> that is correct. Uh yes, we did a we did a whole build up to it. That was a huge chunk of our uh, first part of our year. Yeah. That we was did a, little, a, a ton of fun the, going back through all of those. We did a Billy on the street with it as soon as we got we, we did got it on done. location. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we sure did. And we both had a fantastic time with it. Uh this is on my long list. Uh Again, it goes back know. to what we we'll, were talking about earlier. We'll, like, we'll it's, talk it's, after about where yeah. stuff actually landed. I don't want to. I don't want to step on the toes of anything else. But, uh, but it was like an event before the other event that kind of like yeah, it, it kind of it manufactured the, itself as an event to go see by dropping that whole like, hey, you see what Tom Cruise is doing for you guys? By the way, like it manufactured that right. It purposely showed you that so guys like you and I and other people who are just kind of like. Oh wait, it's, there's no superhero movie. Wait, what's Tom Cruise doing? He's still off a mountain. You say, "I okay, I'll go." Is he still yeah. alive? Oh, he's doing press sports, so nothing happened. Okay, well, it must be no, no. Oh wait, he did. I and oh okay, and you can watch and see like how many times he threw himself off that off that mountain for you. Yeah, I did. You know, that's I organically did still feel there. like you it know? should have released uh, either like a week earlier. Or just dropped like two weeks after Barbenheimer. Because again, we talked about that weird, like there was nothing happening. Right. But was and that's weirdly, my question. it got cannibalized by all of that. And like right. even its IMAX screens, it's like then it turns around and it's fighting Oppenheimer for for screens. Whereas if it had been late to the party, it would have been the opposite, where it's like it probably would have cut into a little bit of how well Oppenheimer did. Because it would have come in and it would have had some of those screens on opening nights and they would have right. been shifting them back and forth. But so that's by yeah. that's that's the real inside baseball question. Is Barbenheimer an organic thing that just materialized out of like guys trying to go see Oppenheimer and seeing all these girls dressed up for Barbie and like guys looking at other boyfriends who got dragged to Barbie like, hey, don't you want to come over here with us? Is that like an organic thing that was just manufactured thanks to like the internet? Or was that like something that a like studio exec secretary just kind of slipped into the ether and just like put it no, out it there to very, make it a thing? It, no, I, it I feel like it's organic. It, no, I don't it feel like it was anything seems that was like manufactured. It was, it was an organic thing on the internet when it was just, this was like months and months prior. And that's what weirdly like helped, helped it gain steam and snowball was... It was just the fact that they were announced on the same dates and right. people were like, Hey, that's weird that like these two are going to come out and like one person makes a meme all of a sudden it, it becomes a thing. And I think some very savvy marketing people at Warner brothers, particularly on the bar Barbie side of things were like, Oh, Oh, okay. Oh, this is a thing now. And you know, strategies were then made going forward from there for months and months and months leading up uh yeah and it obviously it paid off oh yeah well, we're not talking about either of those we're talking about mission but we're see we're we still stole no, it that's what I'm, that's what i'm getting at is like i feel like i feel like if you're gonna manufacture this thing where like i'm gonna show you what it's doing you would think that again you he pushed a whole movie a year back you know, the movie that I we argue could save that he pushed it back a whole year. Yeah. So that's why maybe it just seems you, like it was just such it a seems fumble. Ill, 
You're right. After, exactly. After, that's what I'm getting at. It it's was like, hu- as good it as was it was, hubris. as much as I loved it. It was maybe a little bit of hubris that like, oh, we don't need to worry about this thing going over here. Like, yeah. we don't need to worry about those two. We'll hold strong. And it's like, but no, you won't. Right. No, you won't, Tom. And it's just, it's just a numbers game. People want to see the next thing. And it's like people who missed it in the first week. Then you're gonna then you're waiting for them to like catch back up. Meanwhile, your screens are getting eaten up by the phenomenon of those two movies. And they just they didn't see it coming. They didn't plan for it. They mm-hmm. they they should have pulled the trigger earlier. They should I mean, honestly. I think they should have we see it to the end of summer. No, 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 because we saw how this went down. They should have gone head to head with Fast X and just slaughtered them. That's what they should have done, dude. If we had to pick that weekend, wait, aren't those two? That's the same studio, right? No, what Paramount was doing. Like, Fast X is Universal. Oh, that's right. That's right. It is Universal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Paramount is yeah. Universal is NBC Universal. Paramount is who? ABC. Who is CBS? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I don't. I mean, know it's all Viacom, baby. It's it's old Time Warner. Who cares? They weren't going to cannibalize it, dude. I mean, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I we no, wish it would have made needed, more. You needed. You needed. We wish it would have made X. more of a dent. No, no, I, I hope you needed that, Fast X to come out so that you can see how a shitty Rome, like you know, driving sequence is, and then you right. could see, you know, Dead Reckoning was like, now, son, I'm going to show you how to do it. Like then, I know you got a plan. I know you think you're great, but you just sometimes you got to watch the master. I was going to say, but think about those going head to head in the same weekend where people I, yeah, are just like would, yeah. it's blowing it off the screen. Like yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we're telling a different tale here, but it'll be on Paramount Plus soon enough. I believe in early February. Last time I checked, they are making us wait for it, but uh, it's worth the wait. We had a great time with it. Oh yeah, uh, it's great. Mission Impossible. Dead Reckoning. Part one. Part one. Gavin's number eight favorite film. Twenty twenty three. Yes. All righty. My number seven uh, got up again. Definitely shouted it out earlier in this year, so I'll I'll try and be a bit brief. But uh, it's called "Sick of Myself," and again, a little bit of a debate because technically this one was a festival movie in 2022, but nobody could see it here till this year. It is available on Paramount Plus. It is from Christopher Borgley, who some people may recognize as the director of Dream Scenario. The Nicolas Cage film from about a month ago that came and went at the theater and I was unable to catch and it is still only purchasable right now. So uh, I'll let you know whenever I can rent that one. Not going to make an appearance on my list, unfortunately. Uh, But that is, yeah, so two movies out this year, essentially. And this guy operates in uh, maybe a bit of a, a Michelle Gondry uh, Charlie Kaufman, disciple sort of thing. Uh, but he has found uh, quite a big fan in Mr. Ari Aster of Hereditary and Midsommar fame, who I believe produced this one and also produced Dream Scenario. And uh, Sick of Myself is uh, about, basically, it's it's the best satire I saw all year. And it's mm-hmm. a satire about narcissists. It's a, it's a couple, 
who basically have an increasing back and forth of uh, who can get the most likes on social media, the most attention within their friend group, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it escalates from there. I don't really want to spoil where it goes. You can take a look at some of the imagery associated with the movie. But it was just the epitome of sticking to the bit. It is all subtitled, but we're talking huge belly laughs. It's not going to be everybody's sense of humor or cup of tea, but it certainly was mine. Uh, just check out the trailer. It gives you a taste of the vibe. But it is, again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I get the bit, but like, how is this a movie? And then right. the escalation of said bit uh, is where the magic happens. Uh, hmm. Yeah, some of the hardest laughs I had all year. Huge recommend. Uh, and I can't wait to finally catch Dream Scenario because he's he's somebody new that I'm very excited about, along with uh, Justine Triette, who I mentioned from Anatomy of Fall. I had not seen any of her prior movies, and I, I definitely want to go back and catch some of those. So, uh, yeah, that is my number seven sick of myself and you can watch that on paramount plus uh it's it's a little gross heads up a little okay. gross not too gross but it's a little gross just right. the right amount of gross it's not full-on cronenbergian but it is <laughs> it's gross yeah okay but you'll like it you would like it brother uh okay add it to your list all right i got you okay you're number seven sir lucky oh. <sighs> number we were just talking about it. Oh, we were? Oppenheim. Well, sorry. I didn't mean to step on the toe. No, no. I, I like, no, it, that's my fault. I kept going and talking about it because, like, they write, they're written so close together. And I forgot you hadn't given your seven. So I kind of forgot I was talking about Mission Impossible because Oppenheimer was right in front oh, of it. So, like, that's totally why good. I went back. An another movie we but, did. But no, we, uh, we, we have did talked a huge about. episode on as well. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I mean, and ideally, um, would you, would you I think mind, if you, excuse me, could, would you, would you mind uh, breaking down the plot of, uh, of this one for the listeners? Okay. Just, just so, okay. Essentially, you, uh, you understand that at some point in time after developing the atom bomb, J. Robert Oppenheimer pissed off Robert Downey Jr. so much. By saying one thing about him in front of Congress, that Robert Downey Jr. went full-blown mean girl revenge mode and took every single chance he could shot he could at trying to basically defame him and just destroy his legacy when he was perfectly fine to just let that happen. But he, he had it inside of him to let people know, hey, I built the atom bomb. I never told you you should fucking use it. And that's that's pretty much it, you know. It, in, a, it, in a nutshell. In a nutshell. For a movie about Oppenheimer, there's a lot of Robert Downey Jr. as that senator dude. And again, if we're going to give awards to people, if he's not listed as a best supporting, I'm a little upset. Just me uh, personally. Well, I I will second that as an, as an Arky nominee, uh, that he should definitely right. be on there. Yeah. So we got two, and maybe we'll continue to build the category if we can yeah. remember to do that. Can we do a thing where we can like send out all you know all the people that email us? Can we send all the people that email us like a little like drop in thing? They could like 
We can Message make a ballot. Packages. I could make yeah, yeah, yeah. A, I could make like a little site or a a poll yeah. of some sort. We could yeah. do it on social media. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll we do it. We'll do it. Maybe we'll do it live. Yeah, maybe we yeah. won't do it. We call people randomly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Oppenheimer, uh, just outside of uh of my top ten is my number eleven this year. Uh, yeah, definitely one of the most memorable theatrical experiences. Just on a on an anticipation level, not. And mine was not the like, oh my god, I can't wait to see this movie. I definitely went in kind of with my arms crossed, um, which is to say, like, I like almost all of Christopher Nolan's movies. I don't think there's really any that I dislike, but I've been a little, a little meh on him as of late. I I liked Tenet, didn't love it, but then have like fallen in love with it over the course of like several rewatches. Uh-huh, that's um, what a lot of people say. Yeah. Uh and and yeah, definitely a guy that like I again I've always kind of wished that he would like dial it back. We've talked about this. And when it was announced that he was doing it, I have my reservations about like him his style clashing with maybe what I thought a movie about Oppenheimer should be. And I was pleasantly surprised that it, it wasn't that at all. And I thought he actually made a lot of uh bold choices for him. Uh, in terms of like stuff that's outside of his comfort zone, right? In terms of the way he normally approaches things, and I that was that was intriguing to see. And again, to put some of what he does in the the tech, you know, not just the technical aspects and the the style of editing, etc. But it's a very demanding movie in terms of its pace and a lot of other things, and some of the ideas it puts forth. And again, to put that in a big like summer blockbuster with like a huge stacked cast that you know a ton of people are going to go see that is ultimately a three-hour movie with a bunch of guys talking in rooms and have it be like for, for my money again some of the most riveting shit i saw in a theater this year that's that's kind of the achievement in and of itself so and not to mention that you put it out the same weekend it's announced that it's coming out the same weekend as like a movie about a doll well again that's essentially that was was always we've talked about this before but that was always his weekend that's like his lucky weekend yeah i know yeah but warner brothers the the scorned ex-girlfriend or whatever however you want to look at him whatever i guess he's the scorned ex-girlfriend by warner brothers but they're just you know they're just the pissy pissy ex-boyfriend who are just like whatever we're putting it out same day deal with it and then it becomes right. this whole thing that elevates both movies what what an incredible story uh just don't don't think we'll have anything like that going in 2024 but maybe people will try and make it happen again yeah i think it's again to, to the point of it being very organic i don't think it's anything that you could ever have predicted or anything that you can force or replicate in the future although i'm sure many will try and we're gonna see some weird shit in the next couple years as a result of those two movies uh being as successful as they were uh all right that was your number seven yes any other thoughts on op and i think i mean again we did a whole episode scroll back in that yeah we did but i also just want to say just we did mention rdj but there are there are a ton of boys in there that come to play as much as it is a bunch of dudes talking in rooms some of those dudes some of those dudes are like doing a lot of great talking you like know, just guys you just don't think about and you're like holy shit man maybe what's maybe just hard been doing maybe we're limiting it to five 
but maybe you know since there's two of us maybe we each pick three so maybe we maybe we make it six guys in each category and I, yeah. i'm just i'm just saying maybe we throw in benny safety maybe he's in there oh he was the best he has the best line in the movie and, i'm just, I'm just saying a bigger one or just you know for your consideration just yeah. something to think about uh it's rentable i think the 4k is on its way uh but you know you gotta pay for this one for right now not easily streamable i guess ultimately though it's a universal picture so won't it be on peacock at some point uh i would imagine so can't wait to stream oppenheimer on peacock yeah i guess it'll be there eventually i would i don't know i don't have no idea what their timeline is some stuff it seems like it gets there so quick and some stuff it seems like it takes forever like i don't i have no idea what they're doing uh okay number six for me, uh, is my most recent addition to the list. I uh, saw this one a couple weeks, two weeks ago now, and uh, definitely one of my most anticipated. A filmmaker I am very fond of, not everybody's cup of tea, but uh, certainly mine. Mr. Yorgos Lanthimos in his latest is called Four Things, starring one Miss Emma Stone in uh, what would definitely be an Arky nominee for Best Actress. Uh, absolutely killing it. Uh, also, great supporting turns from Mr. Willem Dafoe. Uh, and uh, Mark Ruffalo, who I'm also throwing into our supporting. He's he's in there. <laughs> he's, so we got four so far for our, for our dudes. Uh, and we got Justy, or excuse me, we have Sandra Huller and Emma Stone, for actresses do you want to throw in uh tiana taylor from 1001 yeah we can do again that. i haven't seen it but if we're just you know yeah, we're building th the categories i throw in there for i'm obviously i will anything that are blind spots for each of us we'll watch before the voting and you know then we'll we'll all be properly informed just like yeah. all the oscar voters are supposed to be they send out all these screeners you're supposed to watch this shit yeah i don't know that everybody does though i don't think you're supposed do to watch whoever's not nominated but anyways Okay. Not Google uh, their name and see how popular they are. Poor Things is an adaptation of a novel that I had no familiarity with at, at all. I just had the vague outline that this was a, a Frankenstein-esque story uh, from Mr. Yorgos Lanthimos. And it is uh, quite unique, like all of his films. And uh, this one is written, or adapted rather, by Mr. Tony McNamara, who he worked with on... Uh, the favorite, which was kind of the closest thing he's had to a crossover success, which also had Emma Stone in it. Olivia Coleman won Best Actress, obviously. Rachel Weisz, uh, but that that was a crossover art house hit. And as much as like when I saw that at the Terrace, our indie theater here, like it was packed. Like it got all of the like you know the over fifty I, I care about movies crowd to go check it out. The way mm -hmm. they presented it. And I didn't really get to have that experience with this one, but my hope was because I knew going in that it was very uh, sexually explicit in oh. in huge parts of it. And I kind of I, I was hoping to have the experience of like, I want to see this in a packed house with a bunch of people who are not prepared for it, who were like, oh, it's Emma Stone. And oh, this is up for all these awards. And then to kind of get her, to see everybody's. But, you know, so as it goes, I, I did go to the indie theater uh, first night it was available there and it was just me and like, you know, 
seven or eight other hardcore Lanthimos heads who were excited to see it and knew what they were getting into. And, Yorgies? You, know, you guys call it Shep Yorgies? Is that what it is? Sure. Lanthies is what, you know, what I prefer. Lanthies? Them. It's whatever. Lobsters. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, without spoiling much oh, yeah. okay. in the way of the actual plot mechanics, Emma Stone plays a character who essentially has a, a child's mind in a you know in Emma Stone's body and is basically mm. starting from square one uh mentally in in the body of Emma Stone. So there mm. there you go. And it's it's her uh you know being basically raised in isolation by the Frankenstein-esque uh Willem Dafoe character. And eventually, of course, she uh, sets out into the world and goes on a, a rather interesting adventure where she discovers, you know, w what's out there. And, of course, it's this very, very interesting play on, you know, it, and it's it's period set, but very fantastical in its, in its way at the same time. It's got some steampunk influence in terms of the visuals. Uh, very unique. But, of course, it's... It's it's got a lot of satirical elements, and it's very much like what if we could explore society in general. Even though it is a period piece, it's definitely just about like how we are now, very much so. Uh, but what if you could explore it through a kind of a childlike lens, uh, and then of course complicate that further by it being being a woman? So, uh, yeah, not going to be for everybody. It has it's done reasonably well in very limited release, but I did kind of see that it. I mean, maybe didn't make the dent people were hoping for. It may be just a little too fucking weird for <laughs> uh, for some people. It's also a little long, uh, but I had a ton of fun with it. Lots of huge laughs. Mark Ruffalo plays a, uh, you know, just a scoundrel, basically, <laughs> who comes in and is like, Oh hell yeah! I'm like I'm gonna abscond with her essentially, and he has, of course, is a complete dipshit and does not realize that she is a you know has a child's mind. He's just like, oh, she's just a dumb woman. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's kind of his his general outlook on her, and it's just much in the way that we talked about. Downey Jr. being unshackled by the marvel of it all. Like, oh, you can still do this? Like, you still got this in you somewhere? Uh, this is Ruffalo having, like, more fun than I think I've ever seen him have on screen. He's hmm. just, like, having an absolute ball, dude. And just, just crushing it. I had some some true belly laughs come from his character. Uh, and again, Emma Stone, all, always incredible. She's cr absolutely crushing it on the curse right now. Only two episodes left. Uh, I think she's probably going to take home an Emmy for that. She's already won one Oscar, but I well, I think we can firmly say that like she's she's going to be one of those Meryl Streep figures. She's like. She's, well, take, she's gonna have like four or five by the time it all sell it, said and done. So like I would not be surprised if she uh if she sneaks in there and pulls it for this. Uh just an absolute the the transformation of her her progression and the way she plays that both physically and just like 
through, through every aspect of her performance is so dialed in. Um, it's, it, I, it's next level shit, dude. I don't know, dude. It's so good. So good. Yeah. Well, I mean, take it back to earlier when you were talking about like, you don't have like that, that like Apatow comedy or whatever. If you would have told me that from Superbad, she would be the one that like, we're all still talking about. I'd have been like, you're crazy. That she would end up basically being She's the like, one that, like the yeah. actress of her generation. Right. Yeah. yeah. And she was in that of all things, you know, now granted she's great in that. And like, you could see it there. There's, there's the groundworks right there. You're like, Oh, there's something here with this girl. Like it, she's, she's not, just, she's just different when it comes she's to one all of that. Those. And I mean, there's a lot of performers that do this. And the, the trick is like, not making it feel performative though right because at least when i start kind of trying to dissect it at least for the way i feel about this stuff acting is essentially like it's a very ego driven like profession in a lot of ways yeah, so 100%. when we see to me when you see a performance that seems to like completely lack any sense of like vanity or ego somebody who's like just a hundred percent in it and is just comfortable being seen. However, like right. good, bad, and different. And it feels like they've truly gone to that place. Not that it's some like, you know, performative, Oh, I'm doing this wrenching thing because this like shows my humanity and I want you to like see me as a per it's it's not that. It's not that kind of vulnerability, that like performed vulnerability. It's when you I, I don't know, to me you can just see it and you can feel it sometimes when somebody is just truly like, I am only here in service of like this thing that I'm making to make it as best as it can possibly be. And she particularly like just in this year like I, i've always felt very strongly about her but particularly this year it's these two performances the curse and poor things where i just i see somebody who is truly it it feels like such a cliched word that gets thrown around but is just truly fearless she has no no concern or thought for like how she's going to be perceived how this is going to like affect her career, any of that sort of shit. It's just, this is, this is the best thing for this character, this performance in this moment, just a hundred percent committed, believable in everything she does. And again, two performances that are like in complete polar opposite directions of each other. And she does them both immaculately. Uh, well, I mean, you could argue. I'm done. You know, I'm done. Well, no, I'm saying you could argue that you know, if you get called to go up on stage for La La Land, but then it turns out it wasn't La La Land; it was Moonlight. After that, nothing matters in your career. You can do whatever you I mean, want. I mean, to be clear, sort of she fear. she got her Oscar for that. That was I know, not that's called what I'm back. Saying. She I'm did. I, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about Oscar like as a whole best best. Like, yeah, she's. That's what I'm saying. She's yeah. gonna go up there with the rest of the people to be like. Oh, what best film? And then it's like, oh no, it wasn't the best film. And she's like, well, I got best actress, so I'm good, y'all. <laughs> like, y'all yeah. look like an idiot. I don't. I'm gonna do whatever I want. I'm fine. Um, I'm not doing La La Land to the sequel. It's not happening. Yeah. Uh okay. Alrighty. That my number was six. My, that was my number six. You want to do your number six, and then, what? uh, if you would like to, do you, I mean, do you want to? You want to take a little break before the top five? Did we do? Are we not getting kicked off? We don't have the. This the time. Well, Steve, I thought 
That's I was gonna say, I feel like it's a little Christmas present to my brother, I guess. Oh But my I knew god. I, I figured we we're gonna need to do this for a little bit. And we got we got Tuesdays coming up for the next couple months, Uh -huh. and obviously we're gonna need to do those over Zoom. So I went ahead and I uh yeah, I did. I sp I sprang for Zoom. I'm gonna pay for it monthly for Okay. the time being, Keep because the I know receipts we're gonna be using this for your a taxes. lot. Uh oh yeah, we could definitely we'll just Write write that this up. off. Yeah. It did ask me if I was using this as a business, and I was like, "Yeah, the Arc of E." And then it was like, "Okay, enter your blah blah blah." I was like, "I mean, I don't, I don't have all that, but I am a business." <laughs> I was like, "But I, I'm a real boy." I should Uh, give me the other. I got to find my paperwork for the the one I started. So yeah, yeah, um, but no, we're not getting kicked off. But we okay, can take yeah, an actual we could do break six before the top five top because five. that'll Yeah, give that'll us work. a natural dividing point. We'll throw in some tunes. So hit Yeah. us with your number six, and uh, yeah. Oh well, knowing that we're gonna kind of like take a break, it's kind of weird. But it is um. I mean, you gotta Leave the world behind. no. This is great because we can have a nice, solid discussion about it, and then we can take a break. Yeah. Um, I did not care for this film, You uh, didn't? but I knew you would, and Yes. I know this is your boy, Yes. and I would love to discuss it with you. And here's I a was great so... venue. And again, Oh. we we don't have the recording getting cut off, so we can go as long as we want. It's the first one of the new year. We're It's wrapping the first out day everything, of the new year. and so. If you don't want to hear any uh, thoughts on Leave the World Behind, a movie that I think is, I think had kind of a moment on social media, a lot of Oh, thoughts yeah. thrown around about it. I think it's going to be an interesting talk because I think the things that you think that I don't like about it are probably not the things that I don't like about it, but I look forward to discussing it. This is going to be an extended chat about Leave the World Behind. If you don't care about a debate of it, this is one of our first points of contention on this list. Uh, If you don't want to hear about that, just keep fast-forwarding until you hear some tunes, because there's going to be a music break, and then we'll be back for the top five on the other side of this. You're number six. Tell people what it's about and why you liked it. Okay, couple from the city decide to take a trip to uh, a place that's not the city, that is kind of the, the, the beach, but also could be the city and the mountains because they can see it from there. Anyway, um, in, in New York, and uh, as they're like there, the, uh, they, they start to realize that maybe or maybe not, like there's something going on and either the world is ending or like, shit's going down and they just we, we you, the ambiguity of what's actually happening isn't there but it i mean marshall ali's in it julia roberts is in it um ethan hawk and uh as far as i'm concerned i don't know who the uh i don't know remember the little girl and i'm 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 wondering like what the character would have been like had it been true to the novel and not changed But the uh, and I'm sorry, Mr. Mr. Kevin Bacon's in it for all of twenty minutes, if that. Uh, but yeah, but it's directed Sir, by Sir Kevin Bacon. Sure, sure Kevin Bacon. Uh, but it's directed by Sam Ismail. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I got really I guess excited. I guess Be I got the S mail version, brother. Yes, I don't, I don't know what it yeah, is. I got so excited because when I when the first shot happened, I was like, wait a minute, this is a big boy movie. This is a real movie. This isn't out of frame. Her head isn't at the bottom three quarters of the screen showing Okay. me the Okay. left. But then it slowly started moving into that. And I was like, oh, there he is. Okay. Hey, Sam. How's it going, buddy? Because I've been getting Becky to watch Mr. Robot. Like, we're in season two. And so having this come out, like, 
while we're in the middle of that, I'm like, oh, well, by the way, the guy who directed all those episodes of Mr. Robot that you kind of seem to like, but I can't tell how you feel about him right now. He made this movie, and I think you will like it. We should watch it. And, of course, she fell asleep, so I was like, all right, I'll watch the whole thing. And then she's like, what happened with that movie? I was like, we can just watch it again. I'll, I'll watch it with you. And so I watched it again with her the next day, like the second day it was out. I just, I don't know. I like, this is going to sound really stupid. Do you ever see Bushwick with no. uh, Dave Bautista and no. Brittany Snow? It's basically like Brittany Snow is just kind of out and about in Bushwick, New Jersey or New York, whatever that area is. And like essentially World War Three starts Okay. and you get, you get that it's a bunch of like, right wing you know whatever whatever but batista's an ex-military person and i've been just i'm i think that i feel like that's on the tip of everybody's tongue because we keep hearing about all this shit going on so and people are thinking like what's so gonna when you happen saw that the trailer for alex garland's civil war were you yes yeah. were you just rock hard i blew a little bit of a load <laughs> without touching a, myself a it little was crazy bit of... just a little bit yeah especially okay. when and it was only when jesse Plemons showed up so oh. i don't know what that says about me um for real though, I mean, you want to talk about a, a director who we love, who's got a project coming out this year that yep. is easily probably my most anticipated, just right oh, off yeah. the right off the bat, and then that uh -huh. trailer drops, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you that one's gonna from... be a uh, a spicy meatball. <laughs> you got that guy from Narcos to come join your cast of devs. And make a movie. Where is wow. he? Where is he from? Because immediately I was like, I I don't think I've seen this guy in anything. But literally just from the trailer, I was like, Oh, is this guy? I'm like, Pablo Escobar. I'm, oh, okay. He's Pablo in Narcos. It's just because of the hair. He's it. also been in a bunch. But, he's, I, mean, I saw dude, him in two other things before. Wagner Mora, I think is his name. Pearson is just like an all timer. Yeah. Uh, especially in this household. Very excited for that. And. I, I can't wait. That trailer looks amazing. I think this is also people are starting to talk about it. This is, you know, we're in a post A24 winning multiple best pictures at this point. Yeah. And they got, they got the juice. They got the, they got the money and they're saying civil war is kind of the first, like, Hey, we're like, we're fucking going for it a little bit. Like, yeah, we're not, we're playing with the big boys. And you can see that in the trailer where I'm just like, no, this is, this is a step up on every level. Like I, right. yeah, I, and so, and, and I'm if you're, very excited. So and, I don't know, and sorry to me, what movie no, no, are we to, talking about right now? No, I'm saying, but like, like to me, behind? you, if you, what if you did be, the ambiguity in this film, this could easily be a precursor to that film. You see what I'm saying? Because you don't know, you have okay. no idea what's going on. That's it. That's and a good you know, and that's that's my thing because I'm I'm not I, okay. I'm not afraid. I know I'm supposed to be. I know I've been programmed since you know the early 2000s that I'm supposed to have this slight Islamophobia and I'm supposed to hate the other. I've said it before. I've said it again. Our fa my favorite director says there's two kind of, of stories. There's a, the hey we're sitting around a campfire. The 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 badness is out out in the darkness away from the campfire that's scary and the other's kind of scary is oh, the actual badness is around the fire with you and i feel like that's gonna be if there's anything that's gonna happen it's gonna be that because there's been one 9-11 and there's been thirty-seven thousand mass shootings a couple of those people might have been muslim guess what they were born here 
if they weren't born here, they they got here and it they were radical. What well, it doesn't matter. But the point is, we are really good. Again, Oppenheimer, we can blow ourselves up if we want to. We could also try and kill the other half of ourselves that doesn't agree with us because we just don't like that they don't do it. And to see, I think what people had a problem with within this is like the optimism and the willingness for Mahershala Ali's character to, to try and do what's best. And it's it's it comes through when the daughter character, who's supposed to be a wife, his wife in the book, not his daughter. Right. Which I do I do love that twist because you have that hook in it of like this man's whole family may be torn apart because of this. We don't know and the ambiguity of it all. But I think it's one of those things of like, well, we just don't know. We just don't know. We don't, we don't know what's going on. It's like, yeah, you don't. So but isn't that like what happens now? Like we don't know what the truth is. We get a certain version of it. We're not sure, you know. Is it, you know, is that weather balloon looking at everybody's thing? Does it really matter because we have TikTok and China knows what we look like anyway? Like, what's the big deal of it all, you know? And so I think a lot of people wanted this to be, they wanted to know who exactly was doing this. Was this somebody from the outside? That's why everything's going to shit. Or was it our own? Was it, was it somebody from, I think that's what people's problem with it was. But I don't think that's what the movie's about. I think it's just about like you, you see that, that like, you kind of see that they get nowhere on their own and it's only when they can all start to like lean on each other and kind of get over these things that biases and stuff like that that may like keep them that like there's an at least some initial hope that like things will be okay you know it is it is structured with you know the whole bit about like why are we sleeping in the basement of our own home and in my head i'm like bro if if i if this was a situation I'd rather be in the basement of my own home because if somebody's coming into my home, I'd much rather them deal with the guests I have upstairs or like the people that are upstairs that are paying to be here and not me. You know what I mean? But that's not, that's not where you go. You and say, think like, yeah, it is super fucked up that these people are like staying in the basement of their own home. You know, when the white people are living up or staying upstairs, but I don't know. I, okay. I thought it was interesting. I love the director. I wish he, I, I'm glad that he got to make an actual, a, a full on movie movie, not just a bunch of episodes of TV. And again, I appreciate the change from the novel, but yeah. I have. So this is where I was saying, like, I, I don't think what I disliked about it is what you would maybe assume. Yeah. Everything that you're saying, it's like, I agree. I think the, that is very much the story it is telling. And I think this is one of those cases where it's like, I don't have an issue with what it's saying. I have an issue with how it's saying it, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, right. no, I, I guess for me, I'm like, no, I think it is an incredibly interesting setup to talk about like the miscommunication, like, how you can isolate people through information, how we tear ourselves apart, like how somebody could weaponize that against us, the downfall of society. Like, I think all of that's incredibly interesting. It's just for me, unfortunately, it's like the movie itself is populated by characters that, again, not a prerequisite for me, but just characters that I fundamentally don't give a shit about, like at all. Like I've had a very hard time investing in or really caring about. 
Mm-hmm. Julia Roberts to me is like incredibly miscast. Like I get that he's trying to do like a, I'm going to take like America's sweetheart essentially and cast her as the Karen in this situation. But it never like fully delivers on that. I think it faints at like kind of investigating or like touching on like some things. And it's almost, it's there's, there's some aspects where it's like, trying to be subtle and is almost self-satisfied with itself and like, okay, we're not going to hit that too hard. And then in other things, I feel like it hits everything with a fucking hammer. It's just like a lot of that. If I want to be like really unkind to it, some really, really questionable visual effects, like the flamingos, the plane crash, yeah, etc. For my money, and I, you've talked about it on the show, again, I haven't watched Mr. Robot, some truly, like, masturbatory cinematography, where I'm just like, this is just show-off shit. Like, there's no, I don't, there's no, like, visual language here. You're not saying anything with this. You're just fucking whipping the camera around for the, uh, yeah. for the hell of it. I know, but if you watch Mr. Robot, you'd understand. It's just this thing, bro. Like, you seen, you watched Homecoming, didn't you? No. No, I didn't. You didn't watch that show either? No. I think you would like the first season of Homecoming. You would like the second season with Janelle Monet too. Um, I, I get it. He I just, see- he's he's a ch- a choice guy for me, and the way he approaches some of this stuff is just frustrating. For instance, again, full spoilers for this movie. Again, it made a huge dent on Netflix. So I feel like a lot of people have seen it, so I feel a little more comfortable talking through all yeah, this yeah. one. Case in point, the ending. I'm talking about the ending. Ending. The final yeah. moment. Yeah. I could have told you 20 minutes into this movie that that was the final shot. Uh-huh. Because Homeboy sets it up. I counted. I counted, brother. After I said that, he hits it two more times. And maybe this is like, maybe this is a little bit of like, you know, when stuff is so, so pitched directly at me, I'm like, fuck you. You don't know me. Get the get away. You're the like angry that. old man now? I don't is like that. that. No, I'm, I'm going to talk you through it. But like this, admittedly, this happens sometimes. There's the whole runner. The daughter's trying to watch the finale of Friends. Okay. A show uh-huh. I love personally. I have, you know, yeah. pretty deep relationship to. And sure that you watch the finale of eventually, yeah, live, live. Would happen, and it's like eventually the older brother. Also, the kids. I'm sorry for me. Fundamentally, kind of took me out of it. They were very performer, performery child performances. Like they didn't. I don't know. They felt very actory. That's beside the point. The son was a Bobo Tim Chalamet to me. He was had, trying to be Tim Chalamet, but he couldn't. Oh, I had issues with both. But anyways, at one point, the brother is like, "Why do you care so much about that stupid show?" And we're meant to have this moment that, again, I felt like it was pitched directly at me to like get me to cry, basically, where she's like, "They're, they're like, they're my, they're my friends. Like, they just, they, they make me feel good. Like, and it's meant to be this moment where it's a, like, it's a sentiment that a lot of people had during the pandemic, which was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of comfort in like rewatching or revisiting like TV shows or movies, things that are like comfort food for me. And Mm -hmm. like, oh, the power of art, like blah, blah, blah. And instead, in the moment when she does that, all I'm sitting there thinking is like, oh, yeah, it's crazy, dude. Like, you know, we do get so wrapped up in these fictional characters. 
I don't give a fuck about any of these characters though <laughs> in this world ending scenario. Like I was just it just further elucidated for me, like, oh, I'm not like not vibing with any of this. And again, I feel like for Sam Esma, I'm like, I've listened to him on podcasts. I love listening to him talk about pop culture because he's so passionate about it. And I'm like, I get that. Like, he's talking to me. He's trying to make this statement of like, look at the, like the power of art and like the importance of it in our everyday lives, blah, blah, blah. The importance of physical media, like keep your Blu-ray collection, like all that sort of stuff, dude. Right. And it's like, it should be, it should be hitting me in all the feels, dude. And instead I had just like, I was like, get it away from me. This is broke. I was like, don't pander to me. Fuck you, dude. Don't try and get me to like you, Sam. Like, no, do you think you just, this is my like brother's a... movie. I don't like you. <laughs> get away. <laughs> um, do you think you're just, yeah, a little, I knew you're, you're I still knew... a little sad about Matthew Perry and that's why you didn't really like all the friends stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're like a month you're... out. We didn't have to bring up all of that, but and I'm I'm really. I feel like that's what your problem is with it. It had been. What if it had been Seinfeld? No, it was. It was truly. No, I wrote it down in my. I mean, okay. To be clear, I gave this movie a six out of ten. I did not hate it, but I I could I could be really mean, and if I wanted to be mean, my note was fundamentally bad slash misguided script and performances, masturbatory cinematography, garbage visual effects. And a true wet fart of an ending that was so telegraphed, I wonder how Sam Esmail was allowed to run a show in the first place. Because he telegraphs that ending four fucking times as if he has no confidence in me as an audience member that I've been paying attention to the movie he's been making for the last two hours and 15 minutes. And it just, it made me angry. It made me feel like, dude, like, fuck you. I got it. You didn't need to hit it this hard. Don't treat me like I'm dumb. And I just I didn't appreciate it. And okay, this this, it, this I felt goes personally I felt personally say, attacked dude. multiple times. And right. it just I I didn't like you, it. I knew you would. I knew we were gonna have to talk about it. You and now we know have. Blanchard <laughs> who went to school and has seen movie stuff, and you know the entertainment business. You know that if I say something and I set it up here, it's a Chekhov's gun, and we're gonna end with a daughter in a bunker with food watching friends the only problem i have with that ending she's eating way too much fucking food like she's not that hungry i okay. get you know other other just like you know glancing blows if you will uh you take my boy ethan hawk you give him nothing to do i feel like he disappears from like two-thirds of the movie what are we doing here what are we doing uh but i think he plays the, a perfect like modern like to me for sure but i'm just like God, sorry. No, he play, ahead, no he plays the perfect like switch of a man of like he was probably a dude back in the day. He walked the mean streets of New York. He maybe threw down, but then he had children, and he also has like a ball busting, powerful wife, right? Yeah. And so now he's saying it. I'm a fucking useless man, but my kid is sick. Help me. And you, it it shows you perfectly. Mahershala Ali knows what he knows the deal. He doesn't want to admit it. He doesn't want to let his daughter get too scared, which again, I would love to see the dynamic if it was another, if it was a wife and not a daughter. I'd love to see who they cast as that and see that her playing against Sandra Bullock and not the, but I thought the little girl who was her daughter was really good. Like again, acting with, um, I was about to say Sandra Bullock. Maybe I already said that. Um, having her play against uh, Julia Roberts, but like Mahershala Ali, I feel like he knows the deal, even though he don't want to admit it. 
and he's still trying to do quote unquote what's right. And Kevin Bacon's just like, bro, you don't get it. Like whether this is it or not, like shit's different now. Okay. Like, and the fact that this all takes place where it does, I don't know where it actually is. I don't know how they got the visuals, but like being able to look meant to be upstate across, New York, right? yeah, just across the bay. I don't, I'm not really good with the uh, geography of New York. Just they got beaches. <laughs> they do. But then I'm also heard like, don't go to like Staten Island. And like, I know they're closing Coney Island and stuff like that, but I get like, there is New York city. Then there is New York state. I understand that. I'm, I'm yeah. not dumb, but like just they're the idea like of the, the Hamptons, right? I guess. Yeah. Somewhere Aren't they? in there. But it's like you can't leave there unless you go back through the city. Like, I don't get it. They're kind of an island, off. right? It, right. They're in the Hamptons. I'm pretty sure. Essentially. Yeah. I would assume it's what you call it. Martha's Vineyard. I don't know. Anyway, um, Amity Island. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I just, I. Again, I, I, I thought it had a very interesting premise. It just, unfortunately for me, I thought, A, it was like far too long. And I felt like the constant like it it kept me engaged and as much as i was like okay i'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop i am curious for like where we go with this not that i felt like we necessarily needed uh, a resolution and the movie at the same time doesn't give you a definitive one but it does give you like a a pretty compelling like i think what might be going on is like what if just a few of our enemies like kind of got you know got their shit together and this was the strategy, which is basically just like isolate us and let us wipe ourselves out because that's what we'll fucking do, right? I felt right. like what a compelling premise. And I'm sitting there in the closing like 10, 15 minutes of the movie. And I'm like, I kind of wish we had started here. Like, yeah, this is some interesting shit. Like, I kind of would like to see a movie that starts at this. And it, to that point, you said... You know, this could very much be a, a prequel for Civil War. And I'm like, um, I mean, yeah, I'm way more excited to see that movie. Um, one one last quibble. I'm sorry. You give me Mahershala Ali and Julia Roberts, two of the sexiest people over the age of 40 on planet Earth. Okay. You give me a scene with them dancing together. I just you know and then they play it for laughs man yeah the dancing she does i'm just like i wanted God. the steam i needed the steam where was the steam we could have we could have finally had a corrective for all those years ago back in pelican brief where it was like they can't do it she can't touch denzel we can't let it happen <laughs> like yeah it's like god forbid um we could have had a corrective instead we we play it for laughs. I'm just like, literally, I should be like, I should be on the edge of my seat. I should be like the sexual tension in this room. My God. Instead, uh, they do nothing with it. They do nothing with it. Yeah. Uh, I felt like there was just, you know, there was a lot more room to actually like, I almost would have enjoyed it more if we really went for that pressure cooker, pot boiler play sort of setup where it's like, all right, well, this movie is clearly concerned with like, let's fucking have it out. Like whether you want to look at it as a straight allegory for the pandemic or just where we're at societally, whatever, like why not? Like, yeah, let's have these representative figures for these different like mentalities or whatever, like white liberalism, fucking Karens, whatever. Um, and let's, you know, let, let's have it out. Let's get it all in a room and like really fucking, you know, do that. And the movie doesn't really seem to be, 
concerned with doing that either. Again, I think that was my frustration where I was like, it hints at a lot of these things and like kind of wanting to be issues driven or aren't we like saying some interesting things about like, you know, doesn't this make you think? And it was like, yeah, but I'm not engaged with the story you're telling as much as like the themes around the the story you're telling, I guess, is where I came away from it. Again, we've said it. You're an educated watcher, so you are going to think that. And I get that you you make you should make movies for the smartest look common denominator of people who are watching. You need to assume that everybody's smart; they're going to get it. Not not dumb it down for your audience. But I was looking at it as the way it go. It's going, and I'm watching it, thinking like. I see this. I, I understand what this is. It's not for everybody, but for those who like really engage in it, they're also the kind of people who think that like maybe the election was stolen. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there the was, weren't who, there a lot of like QAnon people who were like, no, right. this movie is like full of messages for us. And I was like, yeah, but exactly. it's produced by the Obamas. And it's yeah. like, Sam Esmail is pretty openly like he would tell you you're fucking crazy. Exactly. I am. Right. So I'm a, interested in conspiracy theories, but I'm about as liberal as they come. I hate Donald so Trump again. And you, that's where I was like, wait, it's having this whole other life on the internet that I was not even aware of where right. I was just like, I had a completely so, different reaction to this um, movie again, because, because of the fact that like a you know, homecoming and then Mr. Robot, and there's so many things in Mr. Robot that I see in here that I'm like, this motherfucker is fucking with us. And that's how I felt watching it to the point see, that like, yeah, maybe you're, yeah. there's a baked in thing with him as being the person. That, and, and, and that's a lot of it because if I didn't know him, I didn't have that baked in like built in with, with um, Mr. Robot. And I'm just a casual viewer. I'm going to get really excited about like, oh, this could really happen. Well, oh, maybe, oh, oh, he talked to the Obamas about it to see what might actually happen in security stuff. Oh, wow. But I'm watching it thinking like, oh, there's people who are going to watch this and they're going to get really, they're going to get hard-ons watching this shit. I get it. And I'm also watching it being like, I think I know what he's doing here. Because like you said, I will, I will, and I will meet you there. There are, if you boil it down, you're not, because I'm not, I'm and I'm agreeing with you. Some of these characters and some of the way that they're, thrust into doing stuff and some of the ways that it's all fleshed out it leaves you where you're kind of like i don't really feel invested or care and i'm like what are we doing here but if you think about that as an active thing that he chose to make happen and you couple that with the ending of really little girl just it's all about like the, the, the little girl is like the common netflix viewer or the common viewer in general who just wants the power to be on long enough so they can watch their episode yeah, while, of TV. while the fucking world burns. While the like, world yeah, burns. no, there's the really like cynical that, view of that's it as the, well. That yeah, cynicism yeah, yeah. is what Absolutely. I've pulled from it as a whole. And like, that's why I love it is because like the people who think this shit was amazing as far as like, it could really happen. And like all this and that, it's like, you were all the little girl who just wants to watch friends. You just want someone to tell you what's going on, tell you it's going to be okay and tell you they're going to do something different. AK, you want somebody like Donald Trump, somebody you think thinks that has all the right answers. Instead of asking the questions yourself, you want them to ask the questions to themselves and answer them for you. So you feel fine, perfectly fine. You were yeah. all that little girl just wanting to watch friends. I'm the person on the, on the other side, looking at this being like, wow, 
you know, would be really funny is if this literally was just, you know, this was all of not, this wasn't anything to do with anybody else outside of our own borders. It was literally just the state of Pennsylvania that did it all to New York <laughs> or the okay. state of or like Washington, D.C. just did it. To, what if this is all a CIA bit? And it's just that they miscalculated and like, oops, a couple things blew up in New York. And that's what happened, you know, because if if they if if they know that this shit works in foreign countries, why would they not use it here? The shit that the country has done to us that's been declassified, sometimes some of it's a little bit fucked up, but it's crazy when you're like, oh, it's all these conspiracy theories. Some of the shit they actually, it's a lot worse than the theories people come up with. And I just... For that, I appreciate well, that. And of course, I just I like the dude. I love. I well, and that's know, what I was gonna say. A year, a year where I'm I'm getting payoff from like tons of people that I'm a huge fan of, and it's like I don't even know and, if you knew this was coming. No, I've been I hearing dude, about I it. I opened, for a I opened year it up and it was available. And I was like, okay, he's and he's heavily involved him. with the Ringer sporadically and guests right. on different podcasts there, and they just that way. I guess that's also been another thing is like. A certain amount of the coverage I've heard surrounding it, and then when it came out, part, there was that reaction where I'm like, "Well, you guys gotta say you fucking like it. You're not gonna have him on the show and be like, "Hey, Sam, this movie fucking sucks." You know what I'm saying? And there was that feeling of like, "Oh, well, can I even like take your like? This is how you guys actually feel about it? About people who I normally am like, oh, okay, I'm curious what they thought of you know the current releases and stuff." Um, I'm sure they but have again, a pay episode sorry, you can listen to. Excuse me. All of that being said, I'm like, dude, no, I'm glad this is one of your dudes. And I fully admit, I'm like, if I had the history of Mr. Robot and Homecoming, I would maybe speak his language a little bit more. Yeah. And I would maybe approach this in a different way or get more of like, oh, this is how he does things. This is his sensibility. Because admittedly, this is kind of, I guess you would say, throwing me a bit into the deep end. Because while it is an, an adaptation of a pretty popular novel... I know he took a lot of liberties with it and it is very much like a, it's a Sam S male project mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um, and again, I didn't hate it. I was just frustrated by a lot of it. What, again, yeah. what got me through at the end of the day, Mahershala Ali, I mean, literally undefeated. He's never bad yes. in anything. And he still no. gets like two monologues in this movie to just absolutely like cook with. It's great, great stuff. I was a little, I was a little let down by the Julia of it all just because, I hadn't seen her in anything in a bit. I didn't see yeah. the Clooney rom-com from last year. And I was just a little like, I thought she was a little miscast. And then, like I said, Ethan Hawke kind of feels like he disappears. Uh, this I mean, this was the perfect way to to cap our little break. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought you might have this one on your list, and I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Because I know a lot of people loved it. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. huge, huge fans, uh, but also very divisive, where there's a lot of people who just did not go for it. Uh, but I think we had a nice little chat about it. So we're oh, going to take a, uh, a little musical interlude and then we will be back with our top five favorite films of 2023. We'll see you two and two. Bleep, bloop. 